Good morning, Heartland Church of Christ. Happy Easter. Turn to one another and say Happy Easter. It's a happy Easter. It's a great time. There you go. I asked, when's the last time we had April 1st on Easter? And it was 1956, so I went up to Jeff and I said, so, how's the sermon? Are you ready for the sermon? He was like, ha, 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 started turning white and was like, you know, it's like April Fool's, you know, along that line. So, which is why we entitled the lesson today, The Resurrection is No April Fool's, okay? And that's what we're going to talk about. My name is Mark Barone. I kind of fill in from time to time helping out here at Heartland Church of Christ. If you are visiting with us, we are glad that you're here. Because as I share, every time I get an opportunity to speak on Sunday morning, the idea that we're all in the same boat. We're either in a mess, one decision away from being in a mess, or just getting out of a mess. And so we're all in the same boat. We have the same challenges, struggles of good and evil, struggles with family, struggles with health. We're all in the same boat, but we have put our hope in the death, burial, and resurrection. Of Jesus Christ, and that's what we want to learn about this morning. So as we begin, let's start with a prayer. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you've done for us through the promises you've made throughout history to send your Son into this world to share in our curse, to break it for us. We ask as we celebrate with all those throughout the world what you've done, that we get a better understanding of the importance the resurrection needs to have in our own personal lives. Thank you for being with us this morning, for the singing, for you know, Jerome leading us. And we just ask that we will continue to put you first and learn to live by your greatest commandment, which to love one another as you have loved us. Forgive the speaker for his sins are many. Help us to see Jesus and just Jesus this morning. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. It was black and dark. It was so dark, you could not see your hand in front of your face. That's how dark it was. It was five minutes before sunrise, Easter Sunday. And Jesus is inside the tomb, and he's thinking, I wonder who's going to be out there waiting. Because I've told everybody that in three days I would raise from the dead. I wonder who's going to be out there four minutes. Will the twelve disciples, will my best friends be out there waiting for me? Three minutes. I wonder if Peter, James, and John, you know, my two, these are not my close compadres. One minute. I wonder if my mom's going to be there. She was there at the crucifixion. I told everybody. Sunday morning comes, the sun rises, Jesus steps out, ta-da! Nobody? Nobody's waiting for me? Are you kidding me? See, what people don't understand is that for, as we think about the resurrection, the reality is that the facts about the resurrection, that no one expected it to happen. No one did. No one thought, oh, this is going to be great. You know, it, it wasn't like somebody wrote the story and the tomb was open and it's like the song we just sang, up from the grave, he arose, high-fiving everybody. He's like, hey, congratulations, victory. And then up into heaven he went. It didn't happen that way. People didn't believe it. Nobody thought of it. 
It wasn't like, well, I believe the resurrection because, you know, some, I read it in the book and it said in the book, just like Harry Potter, I just believe it because it says so. No. People didn't believe it at first. It wasn't until after the resurrection that Jesus was showing himself to people that people began to write down what they had seen and heard. There were many eyewitnesses to the resurrection. And as a matter of fact, we get most of the New Testament scriptures from those who sat down and wrote what they saw and heard. For example, in 1 John, we see where it says, That which was from the beginning, John, who was a friend who was with Jesus. This wasn't written centuries later. That which was from the beginning, John writes, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was of the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. See, the reason we have the letter of John in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John is because the Apostle John wrote these things down. It's not in dispute of what he had seen and heard. Luke, the book of Luke and the book of Acts was written by Luke, a physician who was not an eyewitness, but went to check it out after he became a believer of the resurrection. He writes in Luke chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they had been handed down to us by those from the first were eyewitnesses and a servant of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account to you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know for certainty the things that you have seen and heard, for the things you have been taught. See, The reason why we have the New Testament is because people saw a resurrected Savior. And they wrote it down, what they saw and what they heard. And Jesus appeared to many people after being raised from the dead. And because of that, we don't believe the resurrection because the scripture says so. We believe it because people saw it and recorded it. And we took that information and we go, wow, this really did happen. He really was raised from the dead. Otherwise, somebody could just said, here's the body right here. They're just making it up. As a matter of fact, when you really think about it, um, people died for what they saw. They didn't die for what they believed, necessarily. They died for what they saw. You know, I saw KU, KU lose yesterday. I saw it. It felt terrible. But it's a fact. I saw it. So when they said, you need to stop telling people you, you believe in the resurrection, they were like, look, I'm telling you, we saw it. We're dying not for a belief, we're dying for what we saw. Okay? And so when Jesus came out of the tomb and nobody was there, which made sense because nobody believed it anyway, his response was, i got to go find people to believe in me. i got to find people to see me. Now, if it was me, I would have been like, what, nobody's here? That's it, forget it. I'm going to heaven here, your sins are forgiven, blah, blah, blah. Good luck, I'm out. But instead, he decided, i got to go find people. Turn, if you would, to Luke. We're just going to read one story today. Luke, 
chapter 24 in verse 13. Now that same day, on the day of the resurrection, two of Jesus' disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked, they discussed these things with each other. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you talking about along the way? They stopped. Their face downcast. One of them named Cleophas asked him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened here today, these days? Pause. Think about it for a moment. You got to read this because it's hilarious. Jesus just kind of walks up and like kids in high school, you know, and come and walk up and says, what you doing? What you talking about? And they literally stopped and goes, are you kidding me? Do you not know what's, are you been hiding under a rock? Well, yeah, kind of. You know? So, so uh, all this is going on. He says, what are you talking about? And so they, and they didn't recognize him because Jesus wouldn't let him recognize him there at first. He says, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. Ah, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this has taken place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning, but did not find his body. They came and told us that they had seen an angel, a vision of an angel, and he was alive. Then some of our other companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they had, but they had not seen Jesus. They had not seen him. They begin by saying, oh, Jesus, man, we love this teaching. We love, he was a man, man, he performed miracles, he healed people, he even raised this guy Lazarus from the dead. We put all of our hope in him that he would free us from the Romans. And now he's dead. We had hoped that he would help us. But he's gone. And I know for a lot of us, we, we come to church and we look at church and we say, God, please help us. In our marriage, help us with our family, help us with our help. And maybe it didn't go the way we thought and we kind of walk away a little bit depressed. Thinking, man, it's just not what I had hoped it to be. It has not been what it was supposed to be. And so they were thinking as they're walking along, they started realizing that, you know, the women came in and says, he's been raised from the dead. And they're like, what? What What are you talking about? Yeah, what's going on? And so I just see them looking at each other like, Dude, we need to go home. Let's go. Yeah, it's starting to get crazy around here. This resurrection idea, this whole idea, this, is, this doesn't make any sense. We were hoping that Jesus would free us from the Romans. We were hoping he would fix all of our problems here. And it's just not happening. Let's go. And they start walking, and then Jesus walks up with them. And I love Jesus' response. I love what, what he says next. Make sure. I love what he says next. Look at verse 25. Then Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. 
Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And he began with Moses and all the prophets. He explained to them what was said about him in the scriptures concerning himself. I love that. He says, really? Did you not get it? Do you really think your biggest problem is the Romans? Do you really think that's your biggest problem? Your biggest problem is death. And your biggest problem is that you're living under a curse, a struggle of good and evil. Sometimes you can't even live up to your own standards. And then he starts opening the Bible and explaining this is God's plan to fix our problem. I mean, what a Bible study. You know, you go, for, you go look throughout the whole Bible study, the scriptures, and I love the fact that Jesus starts taking the scriptures and says, this is how God's plan to fix everything for us. In which I think they were just looking at each other like, well, we've never heard this before. Nobody told us this. We taught if you do these things, you'll earn your way to heaven. That if you do everything perfectly right, you'll be okay. We heard all this. That's what we were taught our whole lives. We were taught the Messiah would free us from the Romans, so we'd never have to deal with the Romans again. We thought that was our biggest problem. And Jesus goes, that's not your biggest problem. Your biggest problem is you can't raise yourself from the dead. Anybody here can raise themselves from the dead? Anyone? Anyone? No. So God has set a plan in motion to fix our biggest problem. That through the promises to Abraham and through the people of Israel, he was going to come in through Christ, share our curse and break it for us. And bring us back to him for those that want to be with him. And they're like, oh, wow, this is kind of new stuff for us. We never heard that before. We thought if you're not good enough, God wants to send you to hell. Oh, technicality, you did that one sin, you're done. Sorry, we can't love you because you're not like us. We thought all that. And Jesus says, no, that's not what was God's plan. Next thing you know, the scripture said that they kind of were already home. They were right there. So if you look on in verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went and stayed with them. Again, I love it. You got to read this stuff. He's like, okay, see you guys. Hey, we're home. All right, see you later. Bye. Good luck. Peace be with you. And they're like, whoa, 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 you can't leave. Now, instead of being honest, they could have said, no, 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 we need... I want to hear more what you have to say. This is good stuff. They were like, you can't leave. It's getting dark. What if something bad happens to you? What if you get mugged? What if you get killed? In which I'm thinking, he's thinking, been there, done that. No, you got to stay with us. And I love the fact that they wanted to learn more. I love the fact that they have to be seekers of truth. You know, as we search out this life, what Jesus wants us to know is that we have to be willing to seek truth and not just let it go by. And I think that was a test for them. They were like, Jesus wanted to know, do you really want to get to know me and what God's plan really was? Or are you just interested in learning new stuff? And they're like, no, please stay with us. 
We want to know. Now, seeking truth, somebody says, well, this is my truth, this is your truth. The reality is, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We don't create truth ourselves, and we don't create it through our traditions. We say, Jesus, what do you want us to know, and then what do you want us to do? And he's already told us that. I want you to love one another as I have loved you. And we've all been a part of churches which are not very loving. And what happens is the reason that's why a lot of people have stopped attending church. And if, if you're one of those type of people, we get it. We've all been there. Some, sometimes you guys are more brave than we were to just you know, step out. But then we realize we can't stop seeking truth. And we can't stop meeting together and trying to figure things out of what God's plan is. And so we still kind of meet together and we just try to work this thing out as weak as we are. And that's okay because we're all in the same boat. But you've got to be a seeker of truth in that regard. So Jesus decides to stay in. We don't know what happened. We don't know who asked Jesus to give a blessing for the food. And it says here in, the sec- in, part, in, in um, verse 30 of Luke 24, When he was at the table, when Jesus was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked with us, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. I love it. They're all like, okay, Jesus, can you offer things? And sure. And maybe one was on the right, one was on the left, and they all bowed, you know. And they're listening to Jesus' prayer, and they begin to realize, I've heard this before. They kind of look with one eye, the other one looked, Jesus looks at both of them and just, poof, disappears. And they're like, ah, I can't believe it. It's true. I didn't think it was true. It's true. And they're jumping up and down. It's true. It's true. It's true. He really is raised from dead. We sing it. This is incredible. We never thought anything like it. We got to go back to Jerusalem. And I love it. They just got there. And they're like, we've got to go back. And what's amazing about this story is their situation outwardly hasn't changed. They still have to deal with the Romans. They still have to deal with hell. They still have to deal with family, kids, wives, adult parents. They still have to deal with what has changed is before they were walking away from the resurrection. And now they're walking towards the resurrection. And so everything changed. And I'm thinking if the neighbor came home and says, man, what is all the commotion? He's alive. He's alive. And like, are you talking about Jesus? I heard that rumor. I don't believe that. And they're like, no, no, it's true. We saw him. He was just, ah, forget it. You're not going to get it. We need to go back to Jerusalem and be around people that are trying to figure out the truth. Trying to figure this thing out. And they literally run back to Jerusalem after just getting there. Seven miles to go back. Because of now they're running towards the resurrection. They're trying to understand what does this resurrection mean for my life? What is God's plan through the resurrection? How is it teaching me truth? How can we, you know, what is going to be involved? So they run back and it says here in the scriptures, Then they found the eleven and those of them assembled together and and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two of them told what happened on the way. And how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. While they were still talking with each other, Jesus himself stood among them. And he said to them, peace be with you. 
And I'm like, wow. That was my dad. He'd say, where were you? Why weren't you sticking around? Why did you let me go through this by myself? Instead of Jesus says, peace be with you. Why? They were afraid. They felt guilty. They felt ashamed. And Jesus says, I don't care about that. I don't care about your struggles. of good. I, I mean, I do, but that's not the real issue here. I want you to know God wants to make peace with you and help you with death and the curse. And then it says something amazing in verse 40, 44 when Jesus says, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ would suffer and be raised from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. So what does Jesus want us to know? That God has not given up on us. In spite of the struggles, in spite of the mistakes, in spite of the weaknesses, in spite of the bad things that the world has thrown at us, he's not given up on us. That's why he raised Jesus from the dead and is now seated at his right hand to bring us back to him and to help us deal with the curse. And that is why all over the world we celebrate. We celebrate the fact that he has not given up on us. That he's offered forgiveness. And it's not this one, two, three strikes, you're out. He's offered forgiveness all the time as long as we're willing to continue to enjoy that relationship with him and try to work out and seek truth in that regard. So this morning, it's a real simple question for us. Are you heading towards the resurrection or are you heading away from the resurrection? Because we've all been there, those of us like, man, I'm dealing with life, I don't have time to think of the resurrection. And Jesus goes, that's the whole point of the gospel message is the resurrection and you've got to walk towards it. What does it mean to me? How does it impact my life? How does it impact my decisions? How does it impact everything? Because that's God's plan to deal with death and my curse. And if I don't accept his help, I can't help myself. And so we celebrate this morning of his own free will. God in Christ decided to love us even though we were unworthy of it. And that's okay. Because we never could be. And he offers peace. And so we have an opportunity to share in Jesus' victory as we look forward to seeing God face to face. As we look forward to helping one another deal with this curse. As we look forward to seeing him. And being with him. So the question this morning is, are you walking towards the resurrection? We want to be able to help as a community of Jesus. We want to be able to help you walk towards the resurrection, deal with the curse, support you as you seek truth to do what is right in in every situation. But you've got to be willing to walk towards the resurrection. If we can help you as we celebrate the victory that's found in Christ, let us know that as we stand and sing.